Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 4. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from his faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Andy. All right. Well, we're about to set sail on the first missionary journey of the early church. Uh, but before we do that, I, I was kind of reminiscing about the place where I worked when I was growing up. Some of you have heard me talk about this place, Indian Village in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, and this store is a kind of a, a tourist shop, right? Curios, uh, not a word we use very often, but curios, just like a variety of things, like anything from like knickknacks to really expensive jewelry, a lot of t-shirts, Indian rugs, all sorts of fun stuff. But I used to go there and I would open it. So in the morning, I would show up at about 9 o'clock, unlock the door, you know, take the, take the covers off the jewelry counter, off the register, flip on the lights. Uh, and typically at the end, uh, you know, you'd open the doors and then you'd flip on the open sign, right? So it was, we had one of those, I think it was LED uh, it was uh, neon either ways, but it was like neon blue and red. It was an open sign, right? And you, you turn it on and it, and it lights up. Uh, in the past, we had like a cardboard sign that was like, you flipped it from open to close, but we eventually upgraded to the, the neon sign, and that was in a very exciting time in the, in the history of Indian Village. And uh, uh, the sign was helpful because at night, right, if you're walking down the town, the this, this store was kind of on the corner. You could see, like, from pretty far, oh, that, that place is open, and people would go in. And that was, uh, that was a blessing, right? So we'd get customers. People would walk in. They'd buy a T-shirt. They'd buy some jewelry. Uh, and then we would get money, right? And then, oh, and then as an employee, I'd get paid. I could use that to pay for gas, to pay for my car, uh, eventually it helped me buy a, a ring for Monica. So all very exciting things, right? There were some blessings to being open as a store. But there were also some drawbacks to this, right? Like it, it, those customers would make messes. So they would bring in the dirt from the street. They would track it in. They would, uh, they would try on jewelry and not buy it. They would uh, spend money and, you know, I remember one customer bought like 
dollars worth of postcards, and, I, and they gave me a $100 bill. <laughs> and you're like, ah. Uh, and uh, so th- th- it was kind of a, a mess. And I, they, they would uh, try on t-shirts. Or they, typically, they didn't try them on, but they'd like file through the stack. And over the, I, I was estimating this year, like this, this week, how many t-shirts do you think I folded over the course of 10 summers? And I was like, maybe if I folded like 200 a week, roughly, or or 100, I think it was like 100 a day. It was like something like 50,000 T-shirts that I folded over the the time that I was there. It was a lot of T-shirts. So I, you know, if you have a messy T-shirt drawer, I'm your man. Just call me over, and I can just like do it with my eyes shut. So there were some drawbacks, right? It was nice, the benefits, open, but there was risks as well. Life was messy. Being open is good, but it can also be challenging. And today I want to talk about you. Are you open? Your heart. Is your heart open or is your heart closed? Is my heart open or is my heart closed? Because it's, it's much riskier to be open. It's more protective to be closed and kind of to function how we've always functioned, be who you've always been, kind of go through life. Uh, uh, protected, or do you perhaps open your heart? And I want to talk today about opening our heart to the person of Christ Jesus. Do you have an open heart or closed heart to Jesus? So if there was a little sign on your, on your heart, would it be like lit as an open LED sign, or would it be kind of like the, the cardboard closed sign? Uh, there's nothing like this yet in reality, but maybe one day. And, and this really gets into our text today because we encounter two people, Elimas and Sergius, and uh, one has a very closed heart and one has a very open heart. The question is, are we going to be open to, to Jesus and who he is, or, or are we going to close ourselves off? And I want to kind of set this story, this question within the context of today's passage. So this is the very first missionary journey. Uh, Paul, he's still called Saul at this point in the text. Uh, Saul, right, the apostle Paul, they've set out on this missionary journey, him and Barnabas, and they've left Antioch. So Antioch is in modern-day Turkey. They've, they've left. I actually brought a, a map. I know some of you like maps. I like maps. Uh, so they left Antioch in, in Syria. They, dra- they traveled down to Seleucia. Maybe they ride donkeys or walk. It's about 16 miles. And then they set sail to Salamis, which is about 70, uh, 75 miles uh, from the port of Seleucia. And uh, maybe, have any of you been to Cyprus? Has anyone here been to, to Cyprus? So this is what Cyprus looks like, a hideous, ugly place. Uh, to go. No, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. If we, and that's what it looked like too when, uh, when uh, Paul was there. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but you can tell like the water's blue and green and it's that kind of um, uh, uh, beautiful Mediterranean uh, look to it. Uh, just a, a gorgeous place. Like if we did a missions trip to, to Cyprus, everyone would be like, I want to go there. Let's go. Let's take that hit for Jesus. We're going to go to Cyprus. Uh, and so we see this in the text. If you read along, it says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. 
And they had John to assist them, and with then God throughout the whole island as far as Paphos. So they, they arrive at Salamis, they go to the synagogue. Now this is going to be a pattern we're going to notice on Paul's uh, missionary journeys, that when he arrives in a city to share Christ, he first goes to the synagogue. He first goes to the Jews. This is because, well, the, the Christian message is rooted in the Jewish scriptures. It's the fulfillment of them. And the gospel, as Paul writes in Romans 9 through 11, right, was first intended to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And so Paul honors that, that, uh, that Israel needs to hear the word of God. Oftentimes the synagogue will not listen, and so he shares the gospel with the Gentiles. But uh, as they're making their way, so they go to the synagogue, and then they begin to make their way across the island of Cyprus. Cyprus is about 160 mi- 140 miles from tip to tip. That's widest point. It's about 60 miles. But they kind of wander across the island. I, I don't know what the exact trail is, but I, I imagine uh, they, 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 they went to different places, and, and then they made it all the way to Paphos. Now, uh, John is with them, and you might not know this, but John is going to abandon them, leave them in just a short while. But he's there, he's assisting them. Maybe he's carrying scrolls or food or uh, leading donkeys. We don't really know exactly what he was doing, but he was assisting them. Uh, But he's going to leave them a little bit later in the missionary journey. Now, I I quizzed uh, the Christian Ed Ed Hour. I just threw out like a fun pop trivia question, but I asked, does anyone know uh, which Christian from the the New Testament uh, is actually from Barnabas, uh, from, I just gave it away, from Cyprus. Uh, Barnabas was on my mind. It's Barnabas, hey. So Barnabas is actually from Cyprus. This is his like hometown. This is his home state, this island. And so part of me wonders if they went from like home to home of the people that Barnabas already knew. Right? That if he knew these people, they just traveled and, and went to the places that uh, Barnabas already had a connection with. And as we think about you know, opening our hearts to, to Jesus and making sure that we're not close to him, I think for some of us as Christians, uh, that if you already believe, it's making sure that you're opening your heart to the will of Christ, to the, the direction of Jesus, even if Jesus asks you to share the gospel or be a missionary in your, your hometown or in your neighborhood or in that, that, that state, that place where you are from. You know, sometimes it's easy to get so invested in missions over there that we forget about missions that's right here, sharing Jesus with those who are right next door to us. Before any of us make a journey to Cyprus, we should probably share the gospel with our own Cyprus, with those people that are that God has already placed in our lives. So let that be an encouragement to us. But this doesn't mean it'll be easy. This doesn't mean we won't face opposition or struggle. In fact, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they face a lot of struggle. Uh, They face opposition. Verse 6 says, When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So we find two people in this story. We find Sergius Paulus. He's a a proconsul. That means he's not a consul. 
A consul was like a military leader of a region. A proconsul typically served in a civilian capacity for about a year uh, on behalf of the consul. So he's a government official. He's in, he's in charge. Uh, and uh, he's a man of intelligence. He's a smart guy. And he wants to hear the scriptures. He wants to hear this message about Jesus that Paul and Barnabas have to share. But there's another person, there's another character, Elimas, a magician, who's also a false prophet. So he is not interested in hearing the, the message about Jesus. Now his name, Bar-Jesus, actually means son of Jesus. Now this does not mean that Jesus had a son. It means a different Jesus had a son. Jesus is just the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua. Joshua is a very famous, popular Hebrew name, and so he just had a kind of a normal Hebrew name. He's not named after Jesus. But this bar Jesus, despite his name, is very much opposed to the actual Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find these two characters here, one with a closed heart, one with an open heart, kind of one with a, even an opposed heart. And uh, I want to take a moment and look a little bit closer at them, because we find uh, we find uh, uh, that Elimas has a closed heart, and he seeks power, he seeks control, he seeks to be in charge. Now, it calls him a, a false prophet, but also a magician, uh, and that means he's, he's not afraid to, like, say, to tell you something, say, this is God's will for you, right? I'm a false prophet. He's not going to say, oh, I'm a false prophet. He's just going to say, this is God's will for you, but really, it's just his will for you, and somehow, it advantages him, and he's a sorcerer, he's a magician. That means he, he practices the dark arts. He's a shaman. He uh, was not afraid to use incantations or rituals or, or cult practices. It's, it's dark stuff. Maybe he uh, talks to the spirits or even talks to the dead. Now, maybe you're wondering, why would someone like Sergius Paulus keep someone around? Like, if Sergius is interested in open to things that are spiritual, to the things of God, why would he keep someone like Elimas around? Because he's a government official, and he wants to do a good job. He's a, a proconsul, and I mean, if you can get any sort of advantage, right, of having someone that can talk to the spirits or sense what's supernatural and divine, well, then heck, get them on your team. If you don't believe in Jesus, that makes sense. Now, maybe some of you are like, well, I would never do that, but maybe some of you have gone and talked to a shaman or gotten your fortune told or you like to look at the kind of the astrology parts of the newspaper and uh and and mess around with stuff like that dream catchers or ouija boards or anything like that i I would encourage you to get rid of that stuff that's not good that's not of the lord that's i think that it's 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 playing with the demonic you know um i don't i don't think we should play with the demonic. I'm not one to um, kind of uh, uh, tell you what you should or should not do when it comes to movies, uh, but I would say that there are a lot of movies that are very demonic, uh, and I, I wouldn't even mess around with those myself, uh, and I'm just going to put that, put that out there. Uh, but we don't want to expose ourselves to these things because these things shape our hearts, right? These demonic activities, they shape our hearts, and they can actually close our hearts. Uh, and uh, the way that uh, you know uh, uh, Elimas tries to express these things is that he he seeks he kind of seeks the power, right? He tries to get the proconsul to work for him. And maybe you're like, well, I'm not going to use like demonic things to to seek power, but uh, 
Well, we do it other ways sometimes, right? We, we, uh, you know, we try to get the best job we can or the highest education we can or uh, vote the right way or, or uh, any other ways that we seek power and control. We have to be aware of what those things do to our hearts. Right? And I'm not saying any of those things are bad things. Jobs are good. Politics can be good. Uh, 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 education can be good. But we can use those things as a way to leverage power and control over our lives that is not good and it has an effect on our hearts. And so hopefully we'll just all be aware of that. Now, I finished uh, reading recently Francis Chan's book, uh, Forgotten God. Any of you read that book? It's a, it's a terrible book. I absolutely hate the book because it's so convicting. Like, if you read the book, it, it will convict you. If you do not want to be convicted and you don't want the Holy Spirit to speak into your life, don't read the book. It's very simple. Uh, but it's such a, a convicting book because it's about the, the Holy Spirit, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. And uh, just really challenges us to follow the, the leading, the urging of the Holy Spirit and, and how hard that can be. I mean, we even heard it about it today in Anne's story. And thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing Anne today because, right, she was listening to the Holy Spirit. I, I need to share the gospel with this person, struggling to find the bravery to do it. And I'm right there with you. Uh, but then actually when she did follow through, God rewarded that and God did something special. And uh, this, this book kind of uh, motivates those things. So I just wanted to share a little uh, story from it. Uh, and we do have this book down in the church library, so you don't even have to buy it. You can just use the one from there. But the story goes like this. It says, Jen works in our church office. So this is Francis Chan speaking. This is a true story. Jen works in our church office, and she's one of the people I think of when I hear the term spirit-filled. She doesn't have a list of accomplishments to amaze you. It is more about who she is than what she's done. I think you know the type, the person who convicts you just by how she lives her life and interacts with people. I first met Thomas because he was a chef and a co-owner of an extremely nice and expensive steakhouse in town. He sent a gift certificate to my wife and me so we could enjoy a meal that most pastors can't afford. While we were there, Thomas shared with me how great the restaurant was doing. It had far exceeded expectations. In another three years, he would receive back not, his, not just his initial investment, but a huge bonus on top of that. The only problem was that God was calling him away from the restaurant, not, not in three years, but then. Thomas surprised his partners by giving up the money in order to pursue the ministry God was calling him to. Thomas left the fancy restaurant and took a position at the local rescue mission. He now cooks for the homeless, recovering addicts, and others who are seeking to rebuild their lives. He uses his training in the culinary arts to teach the homeless how to cook. He then helps them find jobs as cooks at local restaurants. Thomas and Jen are a young couple in our church body. They are spirit-filled and spirit-led. They believe God will call them soon overseas, but until that day comes, they seek daily to follow as the Spirit leads, and they are doing it. Forgotten God, Francis Chan. I think that's an amazing story of a couple that are like, you know what, we're just going to follow the Holy Spirit. We're going to do tough things. We're going to do hard things that make us uncomfortable, but we're going to be open to Jesus. We're not going to close our hearts to his leading in our lives. Maybe you're someone who says, like, you know what, I'm not up for that. <laughs> it's, it's too risky. It's, you know, or I don't believe. You know, I don't really believe in, in Jesus. I don't really believe in God. Well, I don't think the Holy Spirit's given up on you. I really don't. See, I think the Holy Spirit can soften 
anyone's heart, even if it gets a little uncomfortable. Let's just read a little bit more in our story today. Uh, in verses 9 through 11, it says this, but Saul, who was also called Paul, there's the, there's the official switch, and it's just because he's doing Greek memory uh, ministry. It's not that there's something special about the name Paul. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. You can just see him. He's like staring him down <laughs> and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop mocking, making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Sometimes we think that if the Holy Spirit is filling us, we'll only say nice things. <laughs> Sometimes the Holy Spirit actually can fill us to rebuke others. To say, you know what, you're walking away from God. Don't walk away from God. And, 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 and that's painful, but it's also good here. You know, do you notice any parallels between Paul, Paul's story of conversion and what's happening here to Elymas? Like when, when, when Saul, so Paul, when, when he was on the road to Damascus to kill the, the early believers, to throw them in prison, he had this blinding vision of Jesus Christ. And it literally blinded him for three days. And it was those three days that allowed him to process, to repent, and to fully turn to Christ Jesus. And so in this moment, although Saul rebukes Elymas, I actually see an extension of God's grace here, an offer of, uh, of, of repent, of turn to God, of be blind and think about what you've been doing. And is it really worth your eternal life to oppose God and to do things your way instead of God's way? Does God have to blind you to something so that you can see him? Is there something that God actually needs to take your eyes off of so that you can see him and his will for your life? You know, there are many things that are, are bad that we overfocus on, but there can be good things too that we're, we're thinking about or we're focusing on that are actually kind of taking our hearts. Maybe God needs to remove something from your heart so that you can give your heart fully to him. I don't know what that is. Maybe there is, maybe there's nothing. Maybe your heart is just wide open to the Lord. And that would be my prayer that we'd all walk away saying, Lord, would I be open to Christ Jesus? I want to know him. I want to know his power. And this is what my second point is. An open heart wants to know Jesus. An open heart just wants to know Jesus and to see his power. Then the proconsul believed. And when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teachings of the Lord. So two things amaze this, this governor, uh, this, this uh, proconsul Sergius. First, he's amazed by the miracle. <laughs> Right? Like the most powerful man he knew was Elymas, this magician who was performing deeds and perhaps telling the future and doing like these mystical acts in his court. And then someone comes in and says, be blind in the name of Christ Jesus. And uh, this, this amazed him. This astounded him that there was something more powerful than the demonic. That there's Christ Jesus and that's where the true power lies. But that's not the only thing that gets him. That's part of it. That's kind of what God uses to soften his heart. Uh, but then it says, 
you know, he, he, he heard the teaching. He heard the preaching. Earlier, he had, he had wanted to hear the word of God, and Elymas had, had stopped him from hearing the faith, right? From hearing kind of the, the beliefs about Jesus and who Jesus is, and then he fulfilled the scriptures. And Paul comes along and it just gives him what he needs to hear. He gives him the message about Christ Jesus, and Sergius believes. And so, you can know that you have an open heart if you hear the message of Jesus and you want to know more. <laughs> and you want to believe in him. You want to have a relationship with Christ Jesus. And that's why every week we need to hear the gospel message. We need to kind of to hear that, that core message of, of, of what Jesus came to do. See, Jesus is God in the flesh come into this world to, to live among us, to relate to us, to know what it's like to be one of us. And yet to not make the same mistakes you and I make. To not commit those same sins, to not be broken. Jesus was perfect. He was, he was not broken. And he went all the way through his life, never sinning, never doing anything against God. That was wrong, never doing anything against his father. And then he died on a cross. He died a terrible death. But this death was actually meant to be a sacrifice. A sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin. And then three days later, God actually raised Jesus from the grave so that any who repent and believe in Jesus Christ receive forgiveness and grace and eternal life. And this is like the message of the Scriptures. This is the message that Sergius would have been hearing, and it's a message that each one of us need to hear. And do you hear it? Do you believe? Or, you know, maybe you're a Christian, you're like, wow, that, that's a, you know, that just doesn't, doesn't warm my heart anymore. And, and so that's why we need to once again... Ask for faith. Ask for a soft heart. Ask for an open heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the good news is that it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop at like, oh, I've been forgiven. Even in this story, we see like the redemption of, of, a, a, of a, a system of, of kind of a community, of a social structure as, as, as what was wrong and broken about it is, is flipped right. That no longer is the, the authorities and the powers and other people controlled by the demonic, but by Jesus Christ as he sets them free. That the gospel is not just, doesn't just stop at personal salvation, but it influences and sets free all things. And so my question for you is, do you believe? Or do you need to be rebuked by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you need to, to hear a hard thing said to you that you're sinful and broken, and need a Savior. Now, where are we as a church? As a church body, do we have closed hearts to Jesus and the leading of the Holy Spirit, or do we have open hearts? Is our community willing to, to, to follow Christ wherever he calls us, to do whatever he calls us to do through the Holy Spirit? I sure hope that we are, and I think that we are. He doesn't really send us an email that says, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, follow these steps. Just have to follow him day by day as he leads us forward as a church. I think the good thing is that if you want a soft heart, if we want a soft heart as a church, we just, an open heart, we just need to pray. Lord, we want to know Jesus. We want to see his power. We want to follow the Holy Spirit. And then trust that the Holy Spirit can transform our hearts. Transform a closed heart into an open heart through the death and resurrection of Jesus as we, as we lay down our lives, as we trust in Jesus. So the question is, like, if I were to visit your store, the, the, the kind of the, 
the store window for your heart, would it say open or close? Would the Holy Spirit be present there and leading? Or would he walk on by? I want to know Jesus. I want to know the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we do as well, that you do as well. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gospel message of Christ Jesus and what he came to do and came to liberate us in all things. I pray for this church body, Lord, that we would be full of the Holy Spirit and following you where you want us to go. And it's a challenging time right now with COVID, Lord, not, not being exactly certain what to do or where to go. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would just lead us forward. We love you and we need you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.